0: Hey there, and welcome to Queer I Am, Lord, a brand new show where two or more gather to Kiki, in God's name, I like to say. I'm Jorge Olivares of HeyHore.com, and today I'm joined by a fellow Catholic, and already I love that in the background of my guest's video, because full disclosure, we're having all these conversations on Zoom and then bringing them to you in podcast form, but I already see a cross, and I love when I see that in someone's room, because I think that already says a little bit about their spiritual journey. Um, whether or not it might be as forceful as it was when we first entered the religious sphere. But I'm excited to welcome Eve to Query Am Lord. Eve is a queer trans person working in the mental health field on Long Island. Um, already have several things in common that we talked about before we got started with recording. But I wanna make sure that we we highlight Eve's experience because it's kind of like mine in the sense that I like to think of myself as a buffet Catholic. I like to take what I like, I like to leave what I don't. And I think that's totally fair. And I think it's a total representation of what Catholicism might look like today. And I think it's normal. I think that's the one thing we need to just describe out to the world. We are normal, however we wanna approach our faith. So I'm excited to bring Yvonne to talk about their journey, to talk about kind of where they are in this particular moment in their spiritual and queer journey, and just to have fun and maybe talk about tarot cards, because Eve has mentioned that on their Twitter page. (laughs) So Eve, thank you so much for joining me here on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
0: So let's start off with the cross in the background, because I am also somebody who has crosses all over the place in my bedroom. And I think it's just such a wonderful way, it's like a little note of a reminder of, there's something in my life that I consider to be very special. It doesn't have to be in your face. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It's just there for all the purposes that you would give to it. Um, so maybe talk a little bit about that, or maybe any other images that you like to surround yourself with to to center yourself.
1: Yeah, for sure. So the cross I have in the background, um, it's a crucifix uh, in the shape of a Tau cross. So I actually went to a Franciscan college, uh, St. Bonaventure University, upstate New York. And it was actually the Franciscans that helped me to come out of the closet and really own my queerness. Um, So after going to a very, you know, non-affirming high school, uh, it was Catholic education as well, um, that kind of solidified my closet identity. I went to this university and here were, you know, these Franciscans that were just so, you know, overwhelmingly loving. Um, I was actually in a discernment program. And so that crucifix was in our discernment house. And, um, you know, me and some other people who identified as male were, you know, discerning to become friars, thinking about religious orders, thinking about the and priesthood. Um, and really in those four years, my closet identity crumbled. <laughs> and uh, it was the Franciscans that really helped me pick up the pieces again and uh, really show me, you know, I can live out as a queer person and also as a Catholic person. Um, So when I graduated, um, the December program actually kind of fell apart for just some other reasons. And uh, I was able to take the cross with me. And so it feels like I'm bringing them on my journey as well, moving forward.
0: I have never heard, I mean, granted, I'm sure I've understood the concept before, but I've never heard that phrasing of a closet identity just Kind of expand on that a little bit just so that way yeah. I know that I'm fully understanding of what you, you mean and everybody else kind of gets, gets that too.
1: Yeah, so I think for me um, it goes back to I'm sure a lot of queer Catholics or queer Christians have had the term SSA, same-sex attraction, um, and for me I really really identified with that phrase and I identified with being in the closet. Um, I grew up with this mindset, um, as many others do, that my sexuality was my cross to carry, you know, my burden. And, um, and I, I identified with the burden. I, I would tell people about it. I remember when I entered college and we had, we had this big group chat of like all these new freshman college students. And everyone was like talking about themselves, introducing themselves. And I was like, yeah, you know, this is my name. This is where I'm from. And also I have this unique burden of SSA. And they were like, what is that? And I cringe, like, thinking about those conversations because I was so passionate about telling people that I'm attracted to guys, but I'm not gay. You know, I'm not queer. I, I don't identify with that. Um, so truly, like, my identity was steeped in this repression of my queerness. Um, and that that had to go. <laughs> that really had to go.
0: I... I wanna focus a little bit about kind of the, I mean, I lived in Manhattan for about a decade and I maybe ventured to Long Island a couple times. I haven't had a chance to really fully um, invest a good amount of time there. For those of us who might not be fully aware about the culture of Long Island about, um, I mean, I'm sure those who follow politics have heard that it could be a very conservative place. Um, one that might not be most welcoming to different identities. Was that your experience? or is it your experience still today?
1: I think it's a complicated question. Um, Long Island is actually, it's one of the most segregated places um, from my understanding on this Eastern seaboard. Um, A lot of the towns have a lot of different divisions across race, um, across politics and my childhood growing up on Long Island, I was very much in this sheltered conservative space, primarily white space, primarily straight space. Um, I've been in Catholic education since I was in kindergarten. And um, so I was kind of just like funneling my way through these places, almost unaware that anything else was going on on Long Island. I, I didn't go to Fire Island until I was, you know, in my 20s. Um, and I had no concept of Fire Island, which was you know, just a short ferry ride away. So I think on Long Island, there's plenty of spaces to find that queer community, um, but it's really where you are and you can jump a, a town border and uh, be in a completely different culture, a completely different atmosphere. Um, so gradually now that I'm like a little more independent from my family, I can find those spaces, I found my people. Um, but growing up, I wasn't even aware that people like me existed on Long Island.
0: So it's safe to say that with regards to exposure, the exposure to queerness was much more delayed than it was to Catholicism, especially in Catholic school (laughs) in kindergarten. Um, So I think something that is so unique is, depending on where everybody comes to this particular conversation about the intersection of spirituality and sexuality, is our introduction to both, right? And I've always said that, you know, I understood my Catholic side much sooner than my gay side because it was everything when I was growing up. Um, Like the fact that I would identify as Catholic before I identified as gay at a particular point in my life. Mm -hmm. Was that kind of your story? Like here you are thrown into Catholicism and having to navigate what that all means first and figuring out the kind of Catholic you wanna be before it's like, oh shit. I think there's a level of queerness here that I need to address at a particular moment.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I had a, what I described as soft coming out in high school. It was a soft launch. And uh, (laughs) I, so like, yeah, like I said, like the, the Catholicism, it was never really a question for me. I always grew up Catholic and so I never... I don't think I ever had a moment where I was like, oh, yeah, like I'm Catholic. It was just always there. And, um, you know, a slow expansion of my realization of like what the Catholic church is, what I want it to be for me. Um, and so I think that was, you know, very, very slow and ongoing. But in terms of, you know, coming to terms with sexuality, um, before I really got heavily invested in my faith, Um, I think religion for me was just, you know, something we do on Sundays, something that my whole family is a part of, um, and inherently ingrained in my education. Um, And first, my sexuality was kind of a little, how do I say, um, disjointed. Um, And in high school, I slowly had a couple of years, especially the first two years, where I tried to disconnect from my faith and focus on like what this queerness was. And it was before I had the language of best before I had like the language of the closet. And I was watching a lot of Davy Wavy videos. That's <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Wavy on YouTube.
1: Oh my goodness, so much. I actually, I'm thinking back, I wrote him this cringeworthy email, probably when I was like 14 years old. Like probably, I think he was like the first person I like came out to. And I was just like saying like all these things about my life very personal like things that he probably doesn't want to hear from like a 14, 15 year old emailing him. <laughs> um, I found the email like years later. It was, oh God, I just, I hope he never read it. <laughs> That's um,
0: really, I, but I think there's something really cool and beautiful about that because sometimes we, it's so much easier to reveal ourselves to people who are complete strangers and we have mm-hmm. no attachment whatsoever to the reaction to our news. So like if Davey Wavy is like, all right, cool (laughs) kid for messaging me,
1: it doesn't hurt.
0: It doesn't hurt because it's not the same thing as a parent, as a loved one, as anybody Mm -hmm. else's reaction you really care deeply about.
1: Yeah. And I think I, I knew that too. And I knew that I needed to tell someone. Um, And as soon as I started telling some of my friends and that was like the soft launch, I like just started like giving voice. I broke up with a girlfriend in high school and I said, you know, It's not you, it's me. But like literally, it's me. This is why. And um, through those small interactions, those small experiences, I started to get more of a language. And then I think that's where the shame really hit me even harder, Um, Mm -hmm. because I had a poor reaction from my parents, who eventually found out. Um, And then I think the spiral back into the closet, and going back to like this foundation of like faith. um, That's what was a really pivotal moment for me Um, because truly I think I went through a very, very dark depression in high school and my family wasn't very well versed in mental health. I wasn't well versed in mental health. Um, And it was the Catholic faith that I think actually kept me alive, even if it was simultaneously repressing my sexuality. Yeah.
0: Because of the, because everything is just—it it reminds you of childhood. It reminds you, like, it, because of the nostalgic feeling that comes with the, the the faith, or because of the familiarity. Was that comforting?
1: Yeah, I think that I think that's part of it. But it was also the the hope with Catholicism and the hope with Christianity in general. You know, the whole Jesus story. Um, I really invested myself into what can I take away from this religion that I've been taking for granted all my life? And, um, I really leaned on the, um, religious order that was running my high school. I went to a bunch of different like vocation retreats and connected with so many people. I was like the religious high schooler kid, um, my (laughs) last two years. And, um, and I, I made a lot of friends. Like I, I joined a congregational church youth group. Like it was, it was definitely something that like kept me looking forward and looking up. Um, and I think it was a very necessary series of events that had to happen um, because I was not doing fucking well.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Would you say that a lot of the basis for reactions from loved ones about your queer journey was rooted in their faith and rooted in their, their understanding and ideology tied to Catholicism?
1: Absolutely, yeah, especially for my father. Um, my mother was a little bit of a different story. She actually had gay uncles who I didn't know were gay because we just thought they were best friends living on, um, as Shelter as Island. The <laughs> <case>. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple living on Shelter Island. They had this beautiful garden and we'd go there like every summer. And I was like, Oh, like, you know, uncle Gary, uncle Peter, just best friends living in this like resort place. <laughs> <laughs> Um, While
0: they really were having this fabulous life. Yes, oh my gosh, yes. Until now that you realize that.
1: Yeah, Um, but it was, you know, they've definitely come around so much over the years. Um, I think it was the initial shock that threw them off. Um, And my father definitely had a lot of deconstructing that he had to do about queer identities. Um, But, you know, just to see the progress in them in our relationship from when I first came out to them sophomore year of high school until now, um, just that's what gives me hope to know that like this could continue to improve.
0: You talked about it a little bit ago, this idea of an investment. And at one point you were more invested in exploring your Catholic faith than you were trying to figure out what your queerness meant. Mm-hmm. At what point did you realize that the investments had shift and you were starting to try to figure out what it meant to live in your body and to have the identity that you had? Because you were good with your Catholic side. You knew mm-hmm. what that was. You didn't have to, like, there were no bones to be made about how you were exploring that.
1: You know, I think it was finally having queer friends in college because as much as I was like repressing my own identity, I was embracing other people's identity for them. And when I I finally went into, you know, I finally went into college and like one of my best friends was like fully unapologetically gay and we used to do everything together. And, um, there was like a level of attraction there as well, but like I couldn't do anything about that from on my end. Um, But I think seeing him live so authentically gave me the permission to do that myself. Um, But there's still a switch that had to be made because I was still in like a mental health issue, crisis kind of thing. And I think I finally started claiming ownership of my body when I actually got sober in college. And um, it was the Friars, again, that led me to sobriety. Um, And through like the intermixing of like 12-step spirituality, my Catholic upbringing, the Franciscan influence, um, and the overwhelming presence of like queer people in my life at the time, I could finally kind of put things all together again.
0: I, I want to talk about this idea of coming to, to terms with your identity. And I think the reason I bring this up is because I feel like the Catholic church is so fucked when it comes to the notion of gender. Absolutely. And <laughs> when you think about, I mean, I think everybody who's involved in this, especially if you're a queer person, if you're a queer woman or, or a woman identified person, you understand how shitty the church is when it comes to accepting you and affirming you and elevating you in ways that it does to male identified folks. So. Can you talk a little bit about that, about just this disconnect of how the church approaches people who identify as female or a little more feminine than, than others?
1: Yeah, I think the it's such a complicated issue. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, actually, um, during the pandemic, I was starting to go to um, a Catholic parish on Long Island, and I was trying to find my people again I had moved just moved back to Long Island like a couple months before the pandemic started um and I wore a dress to church um to a diocesan church that I had no community there and there's this old woman that just kept like giving me this like side eye glance and I could tell she was like looking at me um because I clearly did not fit into that crowd Um, And I think it's that, I think it's the idea of conformity that the church has issue with is that if you don't conform to how we want you to look, um, you know, whether that's like a, you know, AFAB person wearing a dress or an AMAB person like wearing, you know, a suit and collar, you know, something like that. Um, If you don't conform to how we want you to dress, if you don't conform to how we want you to talk or to act, then you can be left on the side. You can go to the back of the church. Um, and to some capacity, I started doing that. I started sitting in the back or I started sitting away to the wings because I didn't want the stairs. And then I realized that that was the whole point. That's what they, that's what I've been taught. You know, I deserve to sit on the side. Um, and so before I ended up going there, I ended up sitting in the front row and I would like purposely walk up the row in my dress, in yes. my heels <laughs> And um, so that was, that felt like an empowering moment, but um, I had some conflicts with the pastor there and I ended up stopped going, but for a time it was a, it was a fun thing.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think there's also something in, and tell me if I'm wrong in this, when it comes to trans identity and when you think about that, even within the context of the church, like you have Pope Francis saying some really awful things with trans folks mm-hmm. and saying that they're annihilation of man and just not being as affirming as he has been to, to gay folks. But if I'm looking at it from my queer perspective, I think the church is, there's many different things you can take from the church that are affirming about trans identity and saying that like, we have seen for millennia, this idea that body and spirit and like, there's so many different ways to interpret what someone's body is and how they should inhabit that space of their body. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm making sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually using what I've learned from Catholic spaces to learn about my trans identity. That's how I've been starting to integrate some of um, that intersection, actually. Um, So actually, you know, I was at the time when I, viewed as struggling with my gender identity. Now it's just, you know, I'm coming to understand myself more fully. Um, I always, you know, I would sit down and I would pray and I would ask God, like, what, what am I, who am I like, what, what's going on here? Why am I having these memories of like wanting titties as a kid? Like what's going on, you know? And, um, I had this moment actually in meditation where I imagined myself, this was um, a retreat years ago um, where this friar had taught us to imagine you sitting at a chair in the bottom of your heart and talking to God in that chair. And so I had this image of me like walking down these steps to the bottom of my heart, sitting down, breathing and imagine God sitting across from me at a different chair. And the question that I posed to God in that moment, I said, is, what do you see? And the response that I got was, I see you. And I think in that moment, since I was so focused on gender, the fact that God did not see gender, did not see me as a man, as a woman, as a man dressing as a woman, you know, there was none of that. It was just, I see you. you are for who you want to be um that to me was gender euphoria and that was one of those pivotal moments where i could finally like really embrace it internally like yes i am trans i can be trans i'm allowed to be trans um and you know god doesn't give a shit god loves me for me you know Mm -hmm. um and that i think really kind of deconstructed that like You know, transness is whatever I want to make of it. And God is affirming me in that as I move along with that. Um, You know, I, I don't think we start with, I think the church starts with like, you know, God gave us the understanding of theology and this theology says that trans people can't do this, whatever. And they start with this, you know, preposition that like God hates trans people or God does not want trans people and look at the evidence through scripture, look at the evidence through theology. Um, but I think we have to go back and change that first proposition um, that God sees us for us and that everything else can fall away. Um, yeah. I don't know if that answered your question. I don't even remember no. your question to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, uh, I, I, the question itself was this idea of, I feel like despite what is being said by members of the church hierarchy, I as a queer person, granted mm. a cisgender queer person can see the argument that trans identity is very much ingrained within the church mm. and, what we, and the imagery that we grew up with because of this idea of body, soul, Mm-hmm. How our how different things inhabit our bodies and we figure out what those bodies mean and who they are for ourselves. I think that's from, from the outside looking in, obviously, I don't want to speak on that experience because it's not my own. But I, I can see how it would be like that is how I would defend it. That's how I would say, mm-hmm. how dare you tell trans people that they have no placement in the church when all our lives... We've seen the struggle of body and spirit, and, and body mm-hmm. and soul, and, and who who we're called to be. Yeah. Um, and again, I do say that, and I'm trying to take ownership of the fact that I say that as a cisgender person who's never been in those in those positions. Um, I do want to transition a little bit about this this notion of, and I described it. I use the words buffet Catholic, um, but when we were conversing back and forth about you know having this conversation, you mentioned that. You're at this place where you like to pick and choose what makes sense for you, um, and so let's talk a little bit about that because I do think it's very much a normal expression of faith to mm-hmm. do what works for you and leave what doesn't.
1: Yeah, and that truly came from like twelve step spirituality, um, because you know I was I was a tried Catholic. You know I was doing everything by the book. Um, and when I first started entering 12-step groups, it was like all of that was shattered because they were like, you know, your conception of a higher power could be a doorknob. I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, wh- where's the <laughs> theology of a doorknob? <laughs> yeah. And um, just through, you know, my experiences of, uh, experiences of sobriety, my experiences of other sober people and their conceptions of a higher power, it just, it obliterated this idea that there is one Capital T Truth, and that that is only found in the walls of a Catholic church. Um, and through that, you know, I think it's it was like a dismembering of all of this rigidness inside me, um, just to open me up to like, where else can I find God? Where else can I find higher power? Um, and I don't think I ever fully rejected that. Like, I've never found God in the Catholic church because I have. And I still do, but I also find God in using tarot cards. And I also find God doing like woo-woo shit like with other people (laughs) that doing woo-woo shit, you
0: know? (laughs) It's so funny about the tarot cards because I I mentioned to you before that my partner loves to read tarot cards. Mm -hmm. The first thing I thought of when he mentioned this to me, when we first started dating, was I remember there was a sheet that was given to us when we were younger about things to confess to. And it was like, it was a guide to help you if you were having difficulties of making your
1: first mm, confession. I've definitely gotten those before.
0: Right, and there's one of them that says, have you ever had your tarot cards read? And so that's, I immediately, when he told me this, and granted I'm in my early thirties, like I've lived life, I completely understand <laughs> how like things can change. But the first thing I thought of was like, oh my gosh, this was considered a sin to have your tarot cards read. And even when we went home to visit one time and he brought his tarot cards and he asked my mom, very Catholic woman, like, would you like your tarot cards read? Immediately she's like, I don't think, I don't think we can do that. And I think it's so funny because it could be seen, as you said, as an expression of spirituality and connection to God, because Mm -hmm. you don't, I don't know, it just, it, it's, part of, it's part of how we, we see them if we use gender neutral words to describe God.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, whenever I, because I also go to my um, Christian friends that have never used tarot cards. I'm like, can I read your tarot cards? Can I read your tarot cards? <laughs> and um, I'm always having the conversation, like, are we allowed to? Um, and my always, I always start with like, at worst, it's a deck of cards. And all it's doing is the power of suggestion. Like Mm -hmm. if you need to see it as a deck of cards and we're just like giving you suggestions to like trigger things in your head, go for it. That's totally fine. But if you also wanna see a higher power connection, we can roll with that too. And um, I just love like the breadth of, you can find anywhere in that space, um, a place to use them. And like, also if it's not for you, Sure, like, that's totally fine. Like, I, I no skin off my back.
0: <laughs> you like, I still very much enjoy this and I'm gonna roll with it, so thanks so much. Um, I feel like I'd be remiss to not bring this up, that your name has a very big biblical connection. <laughs> uh, was that intentional? Or was, that, was there something else about your name that kind of was all the life-giving things you needed when you when you chose it?
1: This was such a, another like pivotal moment, honestly, in my journey. Um, so like many trans people before me, I've probably gone through so many baby book names looking for like my name. Um, and at some point I was just so, defeated because I was like I can't find anything I don't want to find anything like I'm just so frustrated um and you know I just so I I went to prayer and I said listen if you have a name for me or you know some a list of names like can you just pop it on to me at some point (laughs) um and I you know I let it go for some time because I also wasn't like ready to take on something like that um And it was actually on my birthday this past year where I had a really shitty birthday. Um, My friend had forgotten my birthday. I went to a little gathering of some other friends and it blew up into this huge fight about like transphobia and trans identity in the world. It was just a horrible thing. And I left the party on like the 11th hour of my birthday just feeling like absolute garbage. And I'm like driving home, I'm stopping at a gas station and I'm like replaying the events of the day, You're like, woe is me, my life sucks. And it was just like, right on my lap, your name is Eve. And it was just like one of those, those moments of just like, you get chills down your spine because you know that wasn't of you. Um, and then I looked up Eve, you know, just like what, obviously I know like Adam and Eve, but like what are the other biblical connotations? What's the meaning? Um, and it comes from a Hebrew word that means, um to breathe or new life and in that moment too i got fucking chills and i was like oh my god like this is <laughs> this is god like i can't yeah, can't make this shit up so and then i just you know i started saying it in front of the mirror i was experimenting with friends i was experimenting on zoom meetings and it just works it's stuck people are like yep that's definitely your name so, so very this, development <laughs> very much yeah
0: I I think that is such, like just such a powerful story to be able to say that it wasn't so much your decision as it was a divine decision yeah. that moved you so that you thought nothing else really would make sense for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I really feel like my whole... Um, I don't want to say my, my journey with my transness and really my journey with my queerness has been so divinely inspired. Um, I can't separate the two. You know, people talk about like, how do you fit your queerness with spirituality? For me, they're inseparable because I wouldn't have known anything about my queerness if it weren't for my spirituality. Um, and I think that's why this is, I cling to spirituality so much because I've already gotten so much from it
0: hmm I, so. <laughs> I want to I end by bringing it back to kind of where to go from here. I made note of the fact that Pope Francis has said a few things that have been incredibly transphobic, and so have others within the Catholic Church. What is your message to, to those who, who feel like yourself, me, um, other people who exist within the, the queer experience? that somehow this isn't the place for them.
1: I think it boils down to when you're sitting with yourself in silence and you're really in your body, what are you geared towards? And if you still feel geared towards Christianity or geared towards the Catholic church, despite all the negativity, then I would say it's the place for you. because there are people like us here. But if you've had years of you know abuse in the church or whatever, um, and you feel like you're being geared towards something else, I would say follow that movement because those moments are really where the spirit is working. Um, and you'll find your people regardless. It's just a matter of waiting and watching.
0: And the, the hope of this show and the hope of connecting with other queer people is to find your people and to yeah, create sure. your tribe and create your home and, and to feel one with others, especially when the one place sometimes we want to feel like we're one with others isn't exactly that place that it's been set up to be. Yves, um, thank you so much for joining me to have this really, really wonderful conversation about truth, about the allowance of self you mm-hmm. said that, and it was such a wonderful way to, to see that we owe it to ourselves to allow us to be who we're gonna be and yeah. to understand that God is allowing us to be who we wanna be. And that's such a beautiful thing to be able to, to relish in. Um, if people wanna get a chance to to follow you in the stuff that you do, because I know that you're also a poet, correct? And you, you know, I am yes you do a lot of things that um, um, kind of are, are worthy of being shared. So how can people follow you on social media if you feel so comfortable to share that?
1: Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm on the underscore Eve. And then on Twitter, I'm on the underscore underscore Eve because the other (laughs) one was taken. (laughs) (laughs) But you (laughs) hate when that happens. Oh my gosh, they haven't used their account since like 2011. So actually, (laughs) I emailed Twitter. I was like, can I use this account, please? (laughs) Uh, But yeah, you know, feel free to follow me, message me, talk with me, share poetry with me. I'd love that. And yeah, I look forward to connecting more.
0: Nice. And I want to remind everybody, you can always follow us at hey Jorge, H-E-Y-X-O-R-J-E and go to HeyJorge.com for more of these conversations. But Eve, thank you so much for everything. And I want to end by saying, peace be with you.
1: And with your spirit.